Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You know, your fans do think of you as Superman, but with your glasses, you look like Clark Kent, Clark Kent today. These are my new glasses. I, like I was them. walking into the mall to get them. Where else do you go to get your eye work done? Of course, the mall. And uh, everybody was stomping on uh, spotted lanternflies because they like that... Uh, hot pavement and so uh i might have told this story already but there were two young women walking out like what are those things i see them everywhere and there was a mother walking in like people think i'm crazy because i'm stomping on these things then where people couldn't get to them and when they're stomping them on their way out so spotted lantern flies on everybody's mind rob well listen it's even the lead in the local beaver county times today back home i mean it's it's everywhere doug well maybe we should start there uh i'm getting so many spotted lantern fly questions uh there's no reason to cut down any of your trees. Uh, you know, uh, I had a woman uh, send me a, a message, and she had a beautiful uh, river birch, and was one. It was, you know, and that's that's what they're after now. They're they're going into the birches, and they're not at this point. They're not killing the trees, you know. So just try and treat the pest itself. Try and get some horticultural oil on there or insecticidal soap, something like that, to deal with the pest. Uh, even though they can't fly, I spooked one the other day, and it must have jumped 25 yards. I mean, it flap, flaps a little bit, but then it, it can't go far. It's kind of like a turkey. It kind of flies like a turkey. All right, listen, we want to give that gift certificate away to Sorbels. If you're the 10th caller, 412-922-1020. Miles will be here in a little bit, Davy Tree talking trees, but we want to talk gardening with you, so all of our lines are open to do that as well. So if you have a gardening question for Doug, start dialing now, 866-391-1020. You know, one of the angles of that story of these home remedies, I mean, I, I don't know. There's so many things out there. I think the best thing you don't, right, don't. Don't waste your time. Uh, well, we don't, we've talked about this in the past. First off, like a sticky trap around a tree is catching all sorts of other things, including birds. So don't use that. There's one with pine salt. Don't do not do that here. All you need to do is spray the pest itself with one of two things, actually three things, insecticidal soap or horticultural oil or neem oil. It's not on contact, but it will eventually kill them. That's the thing to do. You know, I wanted to talk um, about a special gift I got in the mail this week, and uh, I call Noah and Bob... Uh, Carabinos, the onion kings of Pittsburgh, because they just, they, you know, they grow these huge onions and, you know, we're Facebook friends. And I see Noah and Bob a couple times a year. They come to the home show. And this year they sent me one big giant onion and a bunch of the biggest shallots I've ever seen in my life. I really didn't know what to do with the shallots. And so, um, 
I used them last night. My son's in town before he uh, goes to California, and so I made a pasta with shallots, mushrooms, crab meat, uh, and garlic. And the shallots really did sweeten sweeten the sauce up. It was nice. A little butter in there, too. But that's just one of the fun things of what I do, you know, is you, you get stuff like that, you know, or, or I'll be speaking somewhere. Like next Sunday, 1 o'clock, I'll be at Bedner's Farm and Greenhouse talking about fall planting secrets at their open house. They're going to have a, you know, look at the, their calendar at uh, Bedner's Farm and Greenhouse uh, website. They have a whole day of cool stuff. But, you know, people bring you things, uh, gardening things, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, this week's uh, video uh, on YouTube is the season finale of my second season of In Doug's Garden by Davy Tree. They sponsor it. And this week it's all about planting deer-resistant bulbs, which is something I just love doing. We'll talk a lot about bulb planting this month. And then I've got a trick in there how to treat bulbs that like chipmunks or voles or something might want to keep them away. And then also in the video, I've got a, a good hack for making tomatoes turn red, uh, dealing with the plants that way. And then Luke Warner from Davy Trees there. And again, we're talking more about spotted lanternfly. I've got these tree of heaven. That's one of their favorite things. And uh, it's, again, people want me to come to their place, identify the tree of heaven, and cut it down. But I'm saying... Let them, the tree of heaven's an invasive weed tree, you know, let them have it. Because if you cut down that tree of heaven, they're going to come on something else, like your birches or maples or something like that. And speaking of bulb planting, I've got a guest coming up uh, this month uh, that's going to offer a $100 gift certificate to buy some bulbs. So don't miss that show. And more bulb stuff. We talked about it last week, but I wanted to uh, talk to you guys about it again. It's Joe Ham's Daffodil Garden Annual Rare and Unique Bulb Sale. And it's just, if, again, part of gardening is growing something different. And uh, I go through that list that Joe has, and it's just amazing stuff that, that you know, from back all the way back to something introduced in the 1700s. I mean, that's just, it's really cool. Uh, and so I've got all this information at DougOster.com. And lots of sp spotted lanternfly information there. And I got a question that I wanted to address before we go to break. Uh, and so uh, Andrea sent this to me. I have asked this question to everyone. You are my last hope. <laughs> How often do I hear that? How do I keep that horribly invasive crabgrass out of my garden beds? I spend more time weeding than anything. My beds are all bordered by bricks or walkways, and I'm an organic gardener, so certainly no Roundup. But I would like to do something preventative. Thanks, Andrea. And so crabgrass is always a, a big question. Uh, and the thing about crabgrass is it's an annual. And so what we really want to do, and this ship has sailed, but... In the spring, we want to use this stuff called corn gluten meal. And this stuff is amazing. You can buy it two ways. You can buy it at the nursery, and it'll go through a spreader. You can buy it at a feed store, and you just apply it by hand. It's benign to us, it's a, but you have to understand how it works. And we talk about it all the time on the show. But it stops seeds from completing the germination process. So when the forsythia bloom, 
that's the first time we're putting on the corn gluten meal. We want to we want to stop those seeds and that corn gluten meal. You put it on a couple couple years in a row, uh, spring and fall, and so our next application is is next month, the end of this month and into next month, where you put this stuff down and any seeds that might sprout are not going to do the thing. And so that's what we want to happen, and that's the easiest way to deal with crabgrass. I also had somebody asking me about Japanese stilt grass, which is really awful, and that's another one where you, and again, the ship sailed. By the time she sent me the message, it's gone to seed. You know, you you, it's another type of grass that you don't want to let it get to seed. What as soon as you see it, just hack it to the ground with a string trimmer, and it's another annual that uh, you could use uh, to stop those seeds from sprouting. You could use the. Uh, uh, the corn gluten meal. Check that corn gluten meal out. It's good stuff. And I had a, a really uh, fun uh, speaking engagement a couple weeks ago at the Delmont Library. And this is the second time I've spoken there, but the first time I went there, this is cool. This is another kind of fun thing about what I do. I shot a picture of a bumblebee on a sedum. You know, they have this beautiful pollinator garden at the library. Uh, if you live out that way, check out their garden. It's stunning. They have a Mexican sunflower that's seriously 20 feet tall. And I shot some pictures. And I put them on Facebook. Well, anyway, the, two years ago, I think it was, I shot that picture. And uh, a friend of mine, the ex-wife of my best friend, <laughs> who I've known forever, she's an amazing artist. And she saw, it at the, saw the picture on Facebook and said, hey, could I do a painting of that? And I'm like, sure. I always love it when that people do that. So she did this really beautiful painting and it ends up that in the town that I used to live in in Ohio, Stowe, Ohio, they chose that painting to be put as a wrap around these, like, traffic boxes, they call them. You know, it's like this big box that's like, uh, you know, has all the electrical stuff in it at, at, at different intersections. And so the, the painting of my picture and of the, you know, pollinator garden at the library is uh, on display now for a year in Stowe, Ohio. And so when I went back to Delmont, I told them that whole story. And uh, I've been talking to the uh, people there at the library and uh, talk, telling them about how excited I was at this painting and got a copy of the painting. This happens every once in a while when you take a lot of pictures and you post them. I got uh, once a nice, really beautiful painting of dahlias. Uh, I for Oh, I forget where I was, but I shot a picture of dahlias and I posted it. And it wasn't my friend Amy, who uh, I always go once a year to. Uh, Amy lives about a mile from me, and she's got this beautiful dahlia garden. But it's just that's fu the fun part of my job, doing this sort of thing. Uh, and, you know, in the case of getting a big, giant box of shallots or a painting, that sort of thing, it's just it's just fun. You ready for a break, Rob? I am ready for a break. Here's the number to dial to get a phone call in to Doug, 866-391-1020. So next segment, all of your phone calls, anything in the way of gardening. So get on the line now. And then Davy Tree, Talking Trees, Miles Stevens will be here. This is The Organic Gardener on KDKA. Good morning. All right, this is your chance to get in here and get a call, a question answered. Doug is waiting. We've got all of our lines available but one. So start dialing now. If you want to get that gardening question before Miles gets in and we start talking trees with Davy Trees, call us, 866-391-1020. Let's go. Hey, Kurt, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Go ahead, please. Hey, Doug. Uh, we're having problems with our lilacs, and it appears 
they're dying back. The leaves are turning black and falling off. Now, some of them, their leaves have regrown a little bit, but someone mentioned to us that they heard there was a blight going around, and I don't know. We're not sure what to do with them. It's probably just a fungal issue. We'll talk to Miles a little bit about it when he comes in here, but we see this a lot on uh, lilacs. The, the good news is lilacs are tough as nails. Uh, the fact that you've seen new growth on there, I would look closely too. Make sure you got buds on there. You probably do. Uh, but we get these fungal issues, and it defoliates the plant, but they should be fine for, for next spring. Um, are they blooming good for you every year? Yes. Yeah, they always bloom good. Yeah, I wouldn't really worry about it. As I said, uh, stay tuned, and when Miles comes in, I'll start, and I'll ask him if he knows anything more about uh, lilacs in general. But, you know, lilac is just tough as nails. It's a great plant, and the fact that they're blooming, I, I think you'll be fine. But we'll talk to Miles about it when he comes in after the, the next break, okay? All right, so what else is going on? Well, I want to talk about uh, – Taking cuttings. Uh, this is the time of the year where I'm taking cuttings of things like coleus, rosemary, basil, and you could even, if you really wanted to get into this, if you could really, it's about time for cuttings on rhododendrons and azaleas, that sort of thing. And so the coleus and the rosemary and the basil are three of the easiest things just if you want to make more plants. In my case, the coleus are going to eventually come inside. And so you just get this stuff called root tone. And uh, you, you, just, you snip off the, the very top of a coleus and you dip it in that root tone and then you put it into, I like to use a vermiculite that's slightly moistened, but you could put it in like a regular planting mix if you wanted. The key is keeping it out of the sun when it's in this pot and then covering the whole thing with plastic and keeping it really humid. But you can make lots of other coleus plants. Coleus is one of my favorite things to grow on the windowsill during the winter. It's a shade lover. It'll grow just about anywhere. And then the rosemary. Rosemary is a little tougher to grow inside, but easy to take the cuttings of. Um, and with rosemary, when you're growing it inside, <laughs> it doesn't want to be too wet and it doesn't want to be too dry. Uh, either way, you're going to kill it. So you just got to keep it kind of evenly moist and a little bit on the dry side. And then basil, you know, we always can use more basil. And so taking cuttings is an easy thing to do. Now, it's a lot tougher with shrubs and trees and such but get, if you get the hang of it and you like to make more plants uh, it's really fun the other thing i wanted to talk about uh was basic composting uh, you know we haven't talked about this in a while composting is just the best way to recycle uh, everything that used to go to the landfill out of the kitchen and out of the garden now stays on site and so we've taken everything out of the kitchen except for meat dairy meat creamy dairy and oils you know, that stuff's always going to get in there, but in general, you're trying to keep it out just because it can attract rodents. Nothing, like my compost pile is just in the woods, and nothing wants to get in there except my dog is the only thing that wants to sometimes take paper towels out of there. But anything that once was living uh, will eventually become compost. And so you just, you're just making this pile out of stuff out of the kitchen, the Vegetable scraps, the fruit peelings, unbleached paper towels, coffee grounds, eggshells, that sort of thing. And you're just putting it somewhere. Now, if you don't like the idea of it being out in the open, you could always, uh, you know, have one of these closed systems. There's a place called the Pennsylvania Resources Council that gives uh, classes if you wanted to learn everything you needed to know about compost. And then at the end, you get this nice, uh, nice composting bin. 
there a caller, Rob? Yeah, uh, just in one. Okay, now she's ready. Let's say hi to Nancy. Nancy, you're on the air with Doug Oster. Good morning. Hey, Nancy. Hello. I want, I'm wondering why I've had so many mushrooms coming up in my all over in my yard this year, all, all kinds of different mushrooms. So in your yard, there's always this uh, what we call mycorrhizal network, and there's all these uh, fungal networks too. And as the weather has to be right for them to, that's the, how they flower, is, that's their fruiting body is the mushroom itself. And so it just depends on the temperature and the rain that we get. Uh, you know, one year you'll have, like this year, one year you'll have, like, all these mushrooms everywhere. All you need to do is, if you can't stand them, first off, they'll be gone in a couple days, usually. Uh, but if you just can't stand seeing them there, you just, just rake them out and you'll be fine. Always remember that you never eat a mushroom, okay? You have to be a scientist to identify what a mushroom is edible and what isn't. So it's just one of those things with the weather that, uh, like I said, that whole network is underneath there. And when the timing's right, when the water's right, when the heat's right, up come those mushrooms. And there's really nothing you can do about it. And there, there's no harm in them. Okay, Nancy? All right, Nancy, thanks. No time to take any more calls. Coming up, Davy Tree, Talking Tree, Miles Stevens. But, you know, Grove Pittsburgh got about 30 seconds Got the Braddock Farm Stand, the Shiloh Farm Stand, Wilkinsburg Farmer's Market, and Homewood Farmer's Market. I know you're a fan. You've talked about them before. Yeah, definitely. You know, where that uh, greenhouse is, uh, that used to be Garden Dreams. And so I'm glad they've kept that spot there. And lots of great fresh food they're providing uh, all over the city. Uh, Grow Pittsburgh is a phenomenal organization. And uh, that farm they have there is just it's just where's the farm at Doug? uh center i don't know if it's center avenue street or avenue i don't know what it is but it's avenue. like 400 block of center yeah, i'd like to see that pretty cool. oh it's cool it's really cool uh big beautiful greenhouses they sell transplants and stuff there you know early nice. in the season it's, nice. it's really cool All right, tell, well, everybody, tell everybody who's coming up well miles our friend miles stevens is in the studio we're going to talk all about right tree for the right place remember the day we got hooked on miles standish we were like I was, I was miles, miles standish uh miles <laughs> davis yeah anyway miles will he's, be here he's used to it he'll be here in just a moment stay with us we're joined in studio by miles stevens and miles we were talking before you came in here oh we he said Miles Standish once and couldn't get it out of his head. <laughs> <laughs> Just put it on me. Throw me under the tractor. <laughs> well, you said it. Oh, I know, but I thought it was funny. <laughs> I thought it was, too. You know, we're going to talk right tree, right place. But before we do, we had a question earlier about lilac trees defoliating, but they're putting on new growth. Is that a fungal issue? Yes, they get a leaf spot disease, and you see it time to time. And in the last two or three years, I've seen a great deal of that, so... but. What, hopefully what happens is they're healthy enough and they'll push out some new growth. And, That's what uh, I figured. Yeah, they'll, they should get over. You can, you know, there are treatments for that, but the main thing is they should recover from that if they're healthy. So first thing for right tree, right place is know how big it's going to get. I, I know you see this all the time and uh, I see it all the time. Yeah. I Five do. years down the road, and especially on new construction. I It drives me crazy. Yeah, you ought to... When planting trees, shrubs, whatever, you have to think 3D, and you have to think about how, you know what space is that tree going to need 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Not, you know, today when you're planting it, oh, it's five feet from the house, it'll be okay. Well, that's okay when it's, you know, eight foot tall. So you really need to think 3D and think about, you know, and, and get and learn a little bit about the tree if you can. Uh, 
beforehand, you know, find out how big it is going to get, you know, how tall, what the spread on the tree is going to be, are re really critical to selecting the right tree. Because they see it all the time, don't, you know, in, when I say 3D, you know, don't plant it right underneath your, re your utility lot wires right. coming into your house because, you know, they're 30 feet up there and, you know, so many years now, now you're going to be trying to prune away from there. And so then next is what I'm thinking, sun or shade, understory tree, you know, making sure that you're, again, choosing the right tree for that place. Right, exactly. And take into account, you know, what, what the aspect is of the sun. You know, don't plant a dogwood out in the middle of the front, you know, shade or front sunny lawn facing southwest. That's not ideal, uh, you know, location for those. So, you know, yeah. it's funny how many of those make it, though. Oh, it's yeah, not a. It's they don't want to be there. They can't stand it. But they're so tough that they, they do that. They do it. Well, it is pretty amazing. You see trees growing a lot of places you never think they would make it. So they're pretty, pretty resilient, pretty tough. But they will cut down on their longevity. You know how long they're going to make it. But they do survive in some pretty tough places. And then soil conditions. Right. This and this is something that you know could be a more of a long-term situation. But you know, yeah, planting a tree, you know. Don't think that it's once it's in there, you're done with it. You know, maybe uh, sometime down the road, you do some soil conditioners. You know, prep the site really good, do some soil conditioning later on, you know, because those roots are going to keep trying to expand, and you want them to be growing in a medium that is, you know, going to be beneficial to the tree. Well, I always talk uh, with the Davy guys about fertilization, and, you know, I actually I did a video uh, showing how that works with that probe. That's a great way to, you know— you got a tree that's just kind of limping along. This is this is a great way to to bring it back and explain exactly how that works. Well, the, the fertilization process we use is that we basically do like a grid pattern underneath the tree. And what you're really trying to do is get you know fertilizer into where the roots are instead of you know putting something on the surface or just drilling a couple of holes. So you're trying to get the fertilizer through the entire root zone and it's injected in the ground under pressure. So it's sort of it, does some minor breakage of the soil, but the main thing is it's uh, spread out through the root zone of the tree, and so it's there, therefore it's available for the tree to take up and uh, and and use it, and uh, and that that's key. And a slow release liquid, right? Yeah, slow release fertilizer. What we use is actually a, a powder, but we use water as our carrier to get it into the root zone. And it's a slow release soil microbes break that down slowly, so it's not just you know rapid uh, rush of fertilizer. It's released slowly through time. And that allows the tree to take it up and get the most benefit. Why is fall such a great time for planting trees? Uh, that's all I hear about is, you know, September, October, and even into November and later you can plant trees, right? Right. It's just ideal. You know, temperatures start to cool down. You get into the fall. You know, you're still going to get root growth, you know, root elongation on those plants if you get them in the ground. And they get to get, you know, somewhat established before they get into the wintertime. Then they're at the site again the next spring. They put on more root growth and get sort of a little more established before they get into the summer season where, you know, the conditions are not exactly ideal a lot of times. But sometimes you got to plant in those conditions, and that means water, water, water. How about watering when we're planting in the fall? You know, like for me, I avoid this week coming up, these 90-degree days for planting anything. I mean, vegetable garden, flower garden, any, anywhere, uh, unless I can get clouds and rain. Uh but once, you know, I'm always talking about these planting windows. Mm -hmm. we, as a homeowner, I, I think you have a lot more flexibility as to, you know, you don't have to plant something right away when you're doing it, you know, as a profession. There's, you know, you're on site, you got to get the tree in and you just, just water it. So if I'm planting in September, October, 
how long do I keep watering that tree, and how do I know if it needs water? Well, one of the things that we use uh, for watering is you can get these uh, different watering uh, bags, carriers, and those are great for trees because it takes the guesswork out of how much, you know, how long should I water, what should I do. You know, it's like you, you fill them up, and basically they may fill those up twice a week, and that's it. There's no guessing on that. But, yeah, key watering, and, and I think especially I, I get concerned uh, with watering for, like, evergreen shrubs uh, because, you know, you really want to make sure they have good soil moisture going into the wintertime because they're very susceptible to winter damage, you know, winter uh, drying because they don't ever lose their leaves. And so you get a warm day and, you know, so at some point in time and yet the ground's either dry or frozen and you get winter damage. So with evergreens, I really am concerned, you know, making sure we keep water. That, you know, if conditions are ideal up until Thanksgiving. You know, I, I consider, definitely consider watering those. Well, we always talk about this when you come in. Uh, how are we looking with the stuff coming out of that tough winter and boy i tell you what every day somebody sends me a message about boxwoods <laughs> yeah boxwoods really took a beating in that i think a lot of other plants have recovered you know arborvitae took some you know beating they looked you know they've come back hollies have come back but yeah boxwoods unfortunately with boxwoods you got a couple things going through that winter damage and we do see boxwood blight out there too on boxwoods is, is an issue you know which is the disease at this point in time there's no treatment for so they sort of got a nasty one-two punch against those and i still see boxwoods they're just really not doing much of anything should should you get a certified arborist on site if you've got boxwood problems because it might might not necessarily be boxwood blight right it could be leaf miners it could be something else right you want to find out exactly what's going on there before you make a decision on well i'm just going to pull these plants out they're just not going to make it or should i you know dedicate more time to trying to you know, help these things to survive. So, yeah, the ideal would be have somebody out come take a look at it. Not certain. Certainly we have the ability to take uh, plant samples, send them off the lab. We can find out exactly what's going on there. Then at that point we can make a you know, decision as what the best uh, course of action is. Before we go to break, I have to ask you about our favorite native tree, the pawpaw. Yes. How are you doing that when your pawpaws this year? Oh, good, good. There's, uh, you know, there, there. Some like the fruits are getting close on a couple of my trees there, so I go out there and check it. How many? How many are you talking about now? Because I remember, I think a couple of years ago, you had one, and you had to share it with 17 people. Right. Well, there's two right now <laughs> that are producing fruit. They're the only two that are old enough, but the one that didn't produce any last year has about 12 or 15 on it. So wow. It's, it's, it's looking pretty good, and the other one. Has been the I couldn't tell you. I mean, it's probably about thirty or so. Wow, so it's, it's doing a lot better. But they they look to be doing good. And uh, yeah, I'm waiting. I so I got my ice cream maker already because I'm going to try to make some ice cream. Papa ice cream. Yeah. So real quick before we go, this is a native tree. It's tropical, right? Is it, or it makes a tropical fruit, or how do they? What do yeah. they call it? Yeah, it's almost it's like a tropical type fruit, but it's a you know a tree that grows in our area and. Uh, uh, close to like mango or whatever it's supposed to be. Yeah, banana to. mango, yeah. but it's not. That's not accurate. No, no, it's just it's, like it's its own fruit, and it's about the size of a potato. It's nice to get those big ones. Now, are your trees big enough where you just shake them and wear a helmet, or how do you do it? <laughs> yeah, mine aren't that tall yet. I can shake them, and there's a chance of things still coming down, hit me in the head, pretty slim. Yeah, you know, so I can reach everything right from the ground right now. But uh, they're getting there, and they've they've really responded well this year they've done i mean the foliage is great and they, they look good we might talk a little bit more pop when we come back but we'd love to hear from you if you got a tree question for more information about davy tree or to ask what's going on with your trees go to davy.com slash kdka and remember you can always call the experts from davy tree like miles at 
985-982-TREE. That's 855-982-8733. Take some tree questions for Miles when we come back on the other side. And don't forget David Ballarato at 8 o'clock next hour. It's all about Labor Day grilling, picnic party plans on the Coons Cooking Arts. Your Pratt Pack on KDKA Radio. Good morning. All right, we're back. Miles Stevens is here, and we're talking of Davy Trees, and he is Pete, and he is in Squirrel Hill. He's got a question. Hey, Pete, good morning. Welcome to KDK. Oh, hey, Pete's listening to the delay, so we're going to move on to Dan in the North Hills. Got an oak tree question. Hey, Dan, welcome to KDK. Good morning, gentlemen. I've got a tall oak tree. I'm not sure how tall, but it's doing pretty well, but it's got Virginia creeper creeping up one side of it about no 30 feet and i'm wondering what i should do about it yeah typically i i recommend cutting vines off of trees and you know one obvious reason is they get up really start to cover in the foliage but my other main concern with vines that grow in a tree and start covering up the trunk they can hide uh, uh, serious uh, structural defects in the tree get those vines all around and you're not going to be able to see that and then one day you yeah. have an issue with the tree so you know, I know Virginia creeper is you know, beautiful in the fall. It's not great fall color, but really sort of discourage vines growing up the trees just for those reasons. So, Miles, there. do we pull it down or just cut it at the bottom? What's the best way to do it? I just say just cut it at the bottom, bottom of the tree. I wouldn't try to pull it all out of there because you cut that at the base of the tree, then everything above there is going to die. And it'll eventually drop out of the tree. You know, I wouldn't worry okay, about trying so- to pull it all out. Oh, I see. Just make some cuts of the. It seems to have these little root rootlet things that go into the bark, which I thought. Well, I don't know if even if I cut it, cut the vine, whether it would just suck more out of the tree. But but no, it'll it'll, it'll just dry up, way. right? Yeah, it'll just dry up. It has to have soil. It has to have that medium for the roots to grow and for that to survive. Okay, great. Well, that's what I'll do. Thank you so much. Thanks for your call. All right, let's go to. Um... Next call is Pete in Squirrel Hill. Let's see if we can reconnect. Uh, uh, Pete, go ahead, John KK. Yeah, good morning. Yes, I got some bub, uh, bushes, brown bushes, like they're called bell bushes. And they got brown on me in a lot of spots. <clears throat> I looked at there, a lot of um, spiders. And I, and I try to cut some of the brown stuff off. I'm trying to revive them. And I put a little, someone said, use palm olive soap, a little soap and water. And spray them, maybe to kill the spiders. But how can I revive and restore them back to some kind of normalcy? Well, it's sort of tough for, to say, not knowing what. Let's kind talk of about the palm olive first, yeah. okay? Pardon me. Go ahead. Uh, the palm olive. Uh, that's not a good thing to spray on a no, I'd, shrub. I'd be, and I wouldn't be over concerned with the spiders either. On the issue of like you're you're worried about them. There's spiders. They're not going to be hurting the plant anyhow. Right. Yeah, you know, that, that that shouldn't be an issue. But uh, pruning dead out of a plant certainly can't ever be a bad thing. Yeah, uh, dead is dead. And, and what's the best way for people to tell if that if the twig is dead? Well, look for viable buds on there. And, you know, even just taking a twig and just sort of start to bend it. A lot of times a, a, a dead branch will just snap. You know, when they're, when they're alive and viable, there's a lot of flexibility in there. You can bend it. But if you start to bend it, it snaps right away. You know, and, and look for bark that's, you know, coming off those uh, twigs or branches, that type of thing. All right, let's do one more. We've got Rich in McCandless. Spruce tree, about a minute and a half left. Go ahead, Rich. You're on KDK. Yeah, I got a blue spruce tree. It looks like it's got a lot of dead branches on it. Is there anything that uh, might bring that back? Well, 
probably what you're dealing with are a couple of different things you'd be dealing with. Spru- blue spruce are susceptible to cytosporic canker, which has sort of been around here forever and ever, as long as I can remember. The other thing they get is uh, rise of fear and needle cast. Is the tree seem to be dying from the bottom up? Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's probably what you have both those things are working together on the tree there. Uh, you can prune that out. There are you know, treatments you can look into doing to treat the needle cast, but uh, but those branches that are dead, just prune them out. Those are never going to sprout back. For a big that. big blue spruce like that, you should have a certified arborist. Just come take a look at it. They come for free, and you could you know there could be two or three different things for a blue right. spruce. And there could be other root issues going on also there too. You know, so yeah, best to have somebody come take a look at it and. Once again, they can give you their best advice as to how to handle it. Well, Miles, another great season. I appreciate you coming in here every, uh, every few weeks and talking trees. Uh, we sure enjoy it. Love all the information that you have. And uh, I hope one of these days you get a chance to drive to Alaska. Nah, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> For more information about Davy Tree or to ask what's going on with your trees, go to Davy.com slash KDKA. And remember, you can always call experts like Miles at 855-982-TREE. That's 855-982-8733. I am answering questions after the show at DougOster.com. Lots of spotted lanternfly information. Uh, Miles and I were talking a lot about that off the air. Remember, organic gardeners, you make our world brighter and safer with each seed you sow and every garden you grow. What if you could use a spotted lanternflies for bait? <laughs> That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Try it out, man. Floating on the top. Yeah. Big bass. Nice and they're nice and colorful. Yeah. I bet, I bet you they would be good. I bet you they would be good bait. See? How are you gonna catch them though? That's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Miles, you're the best. Thank you very much for everything. Thanks, Rob. Thank you. News coming up next. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.